There we go. Um, normally, we would have a, uh, an update on our missions, but uh, instead, I would ask you to uh, keep uh, the Gundersons in, in your prayers. Uh, they're working on a project, and it's requiring a, a whole lot of Dan right now. And so just be praying uh, for him especially to have the, the kind of strength and, and energy and uh, uh, just mental acuity that he needs um, to, to just complete the project that they, they've got before them. So uh, keep them in your prayers and also to um, keep in mind that we do, we do support quite a lot of, of missions and, and missionaries uh, locally and abroad that... Um, we, we really just need to keep them in our prayers and to hold them up. And uh, the spiritual battle that we're all engaged in is real. And uh, the, the more you pour yourself into it, uh, the, the, the uh, more aware you become of, of just how uh, tenacious that battle is being fought. And so let us keep them in our prayers. Uh, on that uh, on that note, our our own uh, kids are uh, at a at a camp this weekend, and uh, we've just been praying all weekend just that the Lord would use this as an opportunity to to minister to them and and grow them. And uh, it's actually been a kind of double double edged uh, blessing there as uh, Jenny and I get a precious moment like uh, where the house is quiet and uh, we can we can talk to each other. And so that's been a huge blessing for us uh, as well. So, well, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 today. And uh, before we do that, I'd like to just begin with, with prayer. Father, as we open your word today, we thank you for, for your word and we thank you for the blessing of it and, and just how you speak to our soul uh, directly um, as your spirit enables our soul to receive your word. And we ask today that you would do just that, that the seed of your word would have a fertile place to be sown within us. And uh, Lord, to produce that fruit of, of Christ's likeness that you seek in us. And uh, Lord, um, pray, pray for um, my, my own kids, uh, Lord, as, as they have that opportunity to be poured into by others, Lord, that you would just do the same for them and uh, continue to teach them your ways and show them how much you love them. Um, Lord, I, I just ask that you would help us each here today to receive your word in such a way that, uh, Lord, we do not walk away as those who see ourselves in the mirror and then forget what we look like, but, Lord, that your word would would hang with us as your spirit continues to, to teach us in regards to it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, question for you before we start off in our passage this morning. What, um, it's uh, really fitting what uh, uh, Sean prayed for us today in light of our scripture this morning. And and the question that I wanted to begin with was, is uh, what prevents you um, from drawing near to God? Um, what is it that is an obstacle, uh, a discouragement, um, something that, that seems to prevent you from drawing near to God? Uh, I ran, uh, I was, as, 
as I've been, I've been really kind of retooling uh, even my, my own um, daily, weekly, monthly rhythm this year of things as I've kind of just uh, sat before the Lord praying on the things that, that he would point out in me that need some attention. And uh, so I'm, a, I'm adjusting my, my schedule um, through days and weeks and months here uh, this year to address those things that the Lord pointed out to me. Um, one of them is just the type of, of time I spend with him and what that looks like and um, having my, my own heart quiet before him. Uh, as uh, you know, I've, I've, it's funny how we think of ourselves uh, have you ever seen those those picture memes of like, this is you know who you are, but this is how you imagine yourself to be, and how other people see you? Um, you know, I I imagine myself one way, but as I sit before the Lord, He's pointing out something different, and uh, I'm recognizing that that I at times have often uh, allowed other things to take space in my heart, in my mind, in my life that should belong to him and, um, and that rightfully belongs to him. And in doing so, I, I was going through our, our church library and just kind of looking for uh, just some particular, not particular titles of books, but just particular types of books. And, and I ran across one that was uh, published in the 30s and... and um, uh, you may hear more about it in the days to come, but uh, one of the things that the author pointed out was he made the comparison of, of our own heart before the Lord that when we come before him, and the whole book is really kind of focused on, on having a, um, a quietness before the Lord, that we carve that out into our existence, that we have a, a uh, not necessarily a solitude, although I think the author would certainly encourage that practice, but but that we have a quiet space carved out where we can free ourselves of the many distractions that are always uh, trying to intrude um, and demanding our attention. Um, we have many, many, many th- voices that will demand our time, demand our focus, demand the affections of our heart, but there is one uh, who solely deserves it. And so, uh, and, and the, one of the things, the comparisons that the author pointed out was, was uh, you know, is your, is your heart like Bethlehem um, on the day when uh, Joseph and Mary arrived looking for a place to lay their weary heads? And, and yet there was no, no space for them. And um, it's not the first time I've heard that analogy, but it's, it kind of stuck with me this time. That does the hustle and bustle of, of the things in our life and the things that, in, that demand our attention and our time, how, do they so preoccupy the space in our heart and mind that we just don't have space for the Lord? That we just don't have space to have a quietness before Him? That there are too many other things that demand our attention. And so, you know, one of, my, one of my thoughts as I ask this question of what prevents you from drawing near to the Lord is 
could it be that one of those things is that is that that our hearts have become sort of like Bethlehem that that busy night where there's just so much going on within us occupying our affection our attention that we just don't have space for him and uh you know this one of the things that the scriptures kind of reminds us uh many times is uh we even get the picture in revelation of uh of our lord standing at the door knocking not barging in you know not not uh breaking down the door but rather knocking um looking for an invitation to be ushered in and uh we we see the Lord in a still small voice presenting himself um, rather than in the, the storm making his presence known. Now, he makes his presence known uh, very loudly at times throughout the scriptures as well, but he's gracious and patient with us. And his desire is that we want him to be present with us. Um, and so, do, have we made room for him? The other, the other thing that occurs to me of what prevents us from drawing near to God is perhaps uh, we just don't feel worthy of the presence of God. That we feel tarnished and unpresentable to him. That, uh, that it just doesn't seem right to us that a sinner like us should be able to approach a holy and righteous God. And maybe there's some fear attached to that as well. That maybe God would not accept me anyways if I were to approach him. And that's more of where we're going to go today uh, in Hebrews chapter 10 and address that concern as we pick it up in verse 19. But before we do that, I want to do uh, something that some, some of you will find maybe perhaps uh, uh, familiar and others of you, this will be kind of a new thing, but um, uh, you guys have heard of a reader response, right? So, so there's two parts to this. I'm going to read something, and then the response is you guys, okay, in unison, reading together. And what, what we're going to, um, it's, it's fairly short. I've got two pieces I'm going to read, and then two, two responses that you will have after I read. So I'm going to read. It'll be up here. And then your response will be up here to follow it, okay? We'll see how good you guys do in unison here, all right? Um, now, the point of this, uh, it, can, it can be just like, uh, you know, we can, we can think of this as just a, just a thing we're doing. Um, but my point is this, is that these words roll across your lips, not just mine, and, um, and as you read them, that my hope is that they would... Uh, you would connect with them in a little bit deeper way as you consider what it is that you're actually speaking together. Now, this is from a uh, this is from a a Puritan uh, William Bridge back in the 1600s, and uh, his his consideration of this issue that I just presented that when we think about drawing near to God, that often one of our hangups in drawing near to God is that we just we just don't think that we're worthy of it. That, that, that we fear that maybe God would not even accept us were we to try to draw near to him. And so, um, 
So join with me if you would. Uh, just stand with me, just so uh, we're in a little bit better posture for uh, joining our voices together. So I'm going to do my part, and then you guys do your part. Good? All right. Though God be strong and able to help me, yet I fear that God is not willing to help me. I know God is able, and that God is strong enough, but I fear the Lord is not willing, and therefore I am discouraged." But I have been sinning. I have been sinning a long time, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Therefore, I fear there is no mercy for me. Amen. You may be seated. You know, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. This issue that we consider in our hearts that maybe God would not accept us, that maybe He would turn a deaf ear to us, that we are unworthy of His presence. We are unworthy to be called a child of God, that we fall short and therefore uh, just, just can't approach the Lord like maybe we would like to, is nothing new. Uh, we can read the Psalms and find the same considerations, um, and as well as the 1600s believers considering that same thing. And yet, the same thing is true. God is faithful, and His work at the cross is complete. It's not lacking. And so we may feel a certain unworthiness or a certain unpreparedness to approach God that we need, that there's work yet for us to do in order to draw near to Him. Um, But the reality is that when we fail to draw near to God because we feel we're unworthy, what we're doing is essentially saying that the work of Christ is incomplete. When we say that we can't draw near to God because we're not worthy of it or we fall short, we're saying that Christ left somehow something undone. And yet the very message of Hebrews is that the work of Christ is complete. That He has perfected for all time those who are being saved. Those of you including myself, who believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there is nothing lacking. 
And that's where our passage is going this morning as we pick it up in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. By the way, you did a really great job for like us not practicing. You might have to do that again. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with, true, with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What we're getting to here is an application of all that's been laid out in Hebrews. And the therefore is, uh, I believe, a reference to everything that's come before this. So what is, there's been a case laid out up to this point of Hebrews of why we should be confident in the work of Christ. Why we should be confident in Christ being our advocate in heaven. Why we should be confident that we stand before God not as sinners, but as righteous in the blood of Christ. And so this therefore is a turn on the case being made up to this point of the supremacy of Christ and the completeness of His sacrifice and the perfectness of how He presents us to the Father. That now there's action that is reasonable and logical for us to take in light of that truth. If we look at uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse, uh, look at verse 1. We're going to look at a couple passages here that just kind of help us remember what Hebrews has been trying to communicate to us up to this point. Hebrews 8, verse 1. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Now flip over to chapter 9, verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from the dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is, a, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. It's passages like this that have been presented to us up to this point to drive home the case. And so now, the therefore is 
there's something for us to do in response. It's a reader response. Only this response is our life being put into the response. Not just crossing our lips, but through every part of who we are and the way we live. We have confidence. Therefore, because of all that Christ is and all that He has done, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Now, the word that in the ESV is translated confidence, and I'm not sure uh, what your, if you have a different uh, uh, translation there, what it may uh, translate it as. But uh, I think the word confidence is actually lacking in, um, in communicating what is actually being what has actually been accomplished Um, I think a better translation of that is that we have complete and free access so not just that we should have some confidence to approach God but that he has blown open the barrier between us and him that once kept us away once kept us out of his presence and it has been blown wide open through Christ that we now have free access to the Father. But that has been obtained through Christ. And so while we should have confidence, I think it is good for us to understand not just that, you know, we should feel a little bit better about approaching, approaching God, but rather that the door's been blown wide open and all who, all who come in faith may enter in. We have confidence. We have free access to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. The holy places is, uh, if we remember up earlier in Hebrews, we were given the, the picture and told that this is an earthly picture of heavenly realities. The earthly picture is, is the tabernacle, the, uh, which later was a, a temple, but the specific reference was the tabernacle in the wilderness in Exodus there that we went through uh, some time ago. And the, the tabernacle was constructed to be the place where God manifested His presence among His people. And there were, a lot, there were specific things that were to be designed and, and placed in the tabernacle, uh, and there was a couple different chambers within the tabernacle. And uh, there was one specific chamber of the tabernacle that was absolutely closed to mankind. Apart from one priest who would enter it once a year, and even then he had to atone for his own sin for him to go in. And so it was closed access. That place was the holy place. The holy of holies right there in the middle of of the tabernacle where God's presence was manifested. And the scriptures now, after having told us about that, Hebrews now is saying we have confidence to enter that holy place. That holy place that was restricted access because sinners can't go into the holy space of God Almighty. And now, through the blood of Christ, that barrier has been removed that restricts access to the Father. And it was by the blood of Christ that that has come to us. 
And so we're exhorted and encouraged to draw near to God. Not as uh, unworthy sinners, but as fully loved and accepted and worthy children of God. But notice, and this is really, really important, and as much as we say it, and as much as we tout our good theology, we really, I think, have a hard time believing this, that we are declared righteous before God. The Scriptures declare us righteous based on the blood of Christ and not our own doing. Now, there is a place for personal holiness. There is a place for seeking to have our lives reflect the calling that is now upon our life as children of God. But as we stand before the Father, we stand not as sinners, not as tarnished, not as corrupted, but as pure and righteous. And that based on the righteousness of Christ. So the real question is, if we feel like we're not righteous enough to approach God, then the real question isn't, are we righteous enough? Righteous enough? What we're really asking is, is, is Christ righteous enough? Anybody here want to say Christ is not righteous enough? Of course not. Our good theology says he's absolutely enough. But in our heart, we wrestle with that. We think, mm, I don't know, I don't feel all that clean. I still deal with some sinful habits and thoughts and pride and all of that junk. I see some ugly stuff in me still. But the scriptures, a big part of learning how to live like a child of God, which is what we talked about last week, learning how to live like that which we are, God has made us a child of God. Now sanctification is the process of us learning to behave like that. We are forgiven. Now sanctification is the process of us learning how to live like a forgiven and free people. I'm reminded of uh, the book of Hosea where God tells uh, the prophet to take a, a prostitute wife. And, uh, and that picture that, that is, he makes the comparison of an adulterous people. Um, and how wayward they are towards him in their heart. But you also see just in that example, that very earthly example of Hosea taking a, a, a prostitute as a wife, that, there is, that she has a, a, a real difficulty breaking free from the idea that she's not a prostitute. That she's actually free from that. That she's actually not a slave to that any longer. And that is the Christian life is learning how to not any longer live like a slave to sin and death, but learning how to live like a free man or a free woman in Christ Jesus. As Romans says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Now we are learning how to live like that. And Hebrews is ever seeking to drive home that we don't miss that Jesus is enough and that he has opened up access to God by his sacrifice. And so we have confidence, we have free access to the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way 
that he opened for us. You know what that means? It means that previously this was not a way available to people. It's new. This is something new that God has done through history at this point of the coming of Christ. This is something new and different. Previously, the way to God was not opened free access to those who would come by faith, but rather closed to those who are sinners, which was everyone. But now, the blood of Christ, His sacrifice being sufficient for all sinners, now all who believe in Jesus Christ have been given access to God. This is a new thing. And it's a living way. It's a life-giving way. Jesus Himself in John chapter 10 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus came to give life. New life. Life that didn't exist before. Life that comes upon us through Christ, through faith in Christ. This is a living way that we have access to. And it says that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. It is through Christ that we have access to the Father. Look at Matthew chapter 27. This is a very, God is ever, I think, patient with us and very understanding. Um, if you have uh, children that are young children or grand, grandchildren, one of the things that you know that is just part of the territory of, of dealing with uh, uh, young children is trying to take things in the world that they're trying to understand or that you want to impart to them and explain them in a way that they can begin to comprehend it. Right? And so we, we speak in terms that they can receive it. And God has done that with us. We can't possibly understand the mind of God. Yet He is so kind and gracious to us to deliver to us these truths to, in ways to help us begin to grasp them. And that is one of the things that that Hebrews, I believe, points out is that God has set up these earthly examples for us so that we can begin to understand heavenly realities. And there was a very powerful earthly picture demonstration to give us a, a, a heavenly, an understanding of a heavenly reality when Christ was crucified. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Did you catch the picture of the curtain? The curtain that separated the holy place 
from sinners. And did you catch that it's, this is, this is, this is no flimsy curtain that we might hang on our windows. This is, a, this is a, essentially the iron curtain, if you will. This is a no entrance. Um, and it is torn how? In what manner is it torn? Any significance to that? We know that salvation has come to mankind from heaven to earth, not the other way around. And God drove home the point in this earthly demonstration that he has come from heaven to earth to rescue, to redeem, to forgive sinners through Christ's sacrifice. So we have access to God, free access to God by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus Christ is our high priest. He is our constant heavenly advocate. He has never lost a case. That which belongs to him is certain. His promises are certain. And as he advocates for us in heaven, our righteousness before God is also certain. Because our righteousness does not depend on us, our righteousness depends on his sufficiency. And there is no insufficient thing in him. And because of that, because of all this that has been laid out before us, because the way has been opened through the access of the sacrifice of Christ, and because he stands as our, uh, uh, or I guess you could argue with me that stands is inappropriate now that Hebrews says that he sat down at the right hand of God because his work was finished, a demonstration that his work was complete. But he is our constant advocate in heaven. Because of that, then verse 22 says, let us, this is, a, this is not just an invitation, it is, it is an exhortation, a, a bold and strong encouragement. Let us, as in there is a reasonable, a logical action for us to take in light of what we now know. And that is, let us draw near. Let us draw near to God. You might feel like a a low-down, rotten sinner who still needs a lot of work. God's going to be working on that this side of heaven. He's got that part of it under control. If you just uh, seek to keep walking in step with him. But as far as you're standing before the righteous and holy God, it it is good. There's nothing you can add to that. Tell me, what can you add to what Christ did on the cross? I'm glad it's quiet. (laughs) There's nothing we can add to that. 
The best of your works is filthy rags compared to what Christ has done. So let us now, in confidence that we have placed in Christ, not in ourselves, that's the really important thing here, that our confidence in drawing near to God is not in ourselves, but in Him. And if we judge Him sufficient, which the Scriptures loudly proclaim throughout, and especially through Hebrews, if we judge Him sufficient, then we have total confidence now to draw near. So let us draw near to God. Adam and Eve, when they rebelled against God, they ran and hid because they had an awareness of their guilt. And they had an awareness, though they might have not been able to put it into words, and maybe they could, they had an awareness not only of their guilt, but that of, of the judgment that came, would come against that guilt. Of the brokenness that had come now between them and a holy God. We are not like them anymore. We were. That was us. Guilty. Objects of God's coming wrath and separated forever from Him. But the blood of Christ has now thrown open the access to Him where though we were like Adam and Eve, we now stand before God like Jesus Christ. That's even hard for me to say. I believe it. The Scriptures teach it. But it's even hard for me to utter because I don't feel like that. I don't even feel worthy of letting those words cross my lips. And yet the scriptures say that it is the blood of Christ who has proclaimed us righteous. And so we approach God now not as sinners, but let us draw near with true with a true heart in full assurance of faith. That is a heart that is uh, another another word that that we might think of is it's stable in faith it's consistent in faith it's it's not it's not a a double-minded kind of a faith where it depends on maybe how we feel about it one day but rather that having now been firmly convinced of who Christ is and what he has done and the sufficiency thereof of his sacrifice we now know boom done I mean, I can tell you, uh, I, I feel so blessed that when I, when I stood in the front of a, a church kind of similar to this, and my wife proclaimed her vows to me, and we were pronounced man and wife, that, I, that, that, that was like a done moment for me. Like, I, there, there is not a point since then where I have questioned her devotion to me. Even greater than that is what Christ has done for us. Even more sure than that is the certainty that you stand before a righteous God as forgiven and clean because of Him. So let us draw near with a, with a heart in full assurance of faith, one not wavering in that, but now having been firmly convinced, let us draw near in full faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience 
There's some imagery here. If we remember, it wasn't all that long ago in Hebrews where there was some imagery about the things in the temple being consecrated to God by the sprinkling of blood. With that imagery in mind, we have been purified, consecrated to God through the blood of Christ. Our guilt has been removed because Christ has paid for it. And so, though we might have an awareness that we still in our flesh wrestle with sin, our standing before God is not a sinner but a saint. And so we approach God not with, like I pointed out earlier, with the conscience of Adam and Eve after they rebelled against God, with that conscience of being a guilty sinner before a righteous God, but now with a clean conscience that Christ is enough. So when we go to God, when we draw near to Him, we don't say, God, accept me. On my righteousness, I'm trying really hard, but we say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner who Christ gave his life for. And I approach you not now on the basis of what I can try and do, but on what he's already done. It says our our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. which I believe here is a a reference to baptism of the believer. That outward sign of showing what God has done on the inward person. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Titus chapter 3. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God washes the inside. And one of the steps of faith that we take to acknowledge that is baptism. Where we proclaim in part that we, are, that we now belong to God. And we also proclaim that God has made clean that which we could not make clean. That God has given us new life. That God has purified this sinner by His grace and mercy through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that washing of of pure water is that reminder of what God has already done. The action point here for us is draw near to God. If you forgot why you should or why you can, you can go back and read the previous chapters of Hebrews because he goes to great pains under the direction of the Holy Spirit to convince you and me that this is now what we ought to do. Draw near to God. 
Draw near to God in prayer. Draw near to God in worship. Draw near to God in walking with Him in obedience. Draw near to God in serving Him. The whole of life is the place that we now draw near to God. The whole of life is now your stage to worship Him. And I want to encourage you as you think through the way that you're going to spend your days and weeks and months uh, this year, I want to encourage you to join me in really giving some strong consideration to drawing near to Him in a very purposeful way. Are there things that you need to push out of the way that perhaps demand your attention? Um but have only become sources of interruption between you and the one who is worthy of you? Let's not let the stuff of life, uh, like, like Martha, crowd out um, our ability to draw near to him. And we've already marked out, if you had the excuse that you're not worthy of it, we've already we dealt with that today. So that's done. Checkbox on it. Move on. You are forgiven and righteous in Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're good before God. Now draw near to Him. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not good before a holy and righteous God. And you still are in the path of His judgment that is coming. And now the call to you is to repent of your sin and plead with Him to forgive you of that sin and trust that Jesus Christ is enough. And only he is enough for you to be made clean and draw near to God. That is what he desires from you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son whom you gave for us. And Lord, for those today that that are here that have not turned away from a life of just seeking to do it on their own, do it their own way to a life of surrendering to you and trusting in you to save them. Lord, I just ask that you would that you would move them by your spirit to take that step of faith today to become a child of God not of their own doing but of your doing. Thank you that we have a Savior who is enough, who is the perfect sacrifice, who stands um, as our advocate in heaven to give us confidence, Lord, that we are now um, fully accepted by you. So, Lord, help us to walk as a people who have been freed from the guilt and shame of sin. Help us to walk as children of God. Lord, may the world see our lives as a testimony of the good things that you are doing and have done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to leave you with uh, those last words from our reader response today because I think um, 
William Bridge did a good job of summarizing what the scriptures tell us about, about our Almighty Creator. Yet saith the Lord, be of good comfort, for my name is long suffering. I am slow to anger. Art thou abundant in sin? I am abundant in goodness. I forgive even all sorts and all kinds of sins. And this is my name forever. Lord, bless and keep you.